Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, broadcasting from the Cellmark Studios. Colleen Daniel is here, as always, broadcasting from home, along with the About Mansfield news team. This is episode 79, and we appreciate you being here with us. Coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to the brand new Torchy's Tacos with our trivia question of the week. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Mansfield Police nab Amber Alert suspect. Proclamations, accolades, and Daymire Road are just a few of the topics when we spend a moment with the mayor. City gears up for the annual Mansfield Rocks weekend celebration. Getting caught with fireworks within city limits is one way to light up your pocketbook. Science reporter Dennis Webb continues his series on falling space rocks that keep hitting our planet. Today I'm going out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. I'm Katrina Brown with Texas Health Tip of the Week, and this week we are talking summertime fruits and veggies. Shh! Don't tell the cops. We're going to talk about pot today. I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin, and we'll get to that in the Ask Terry segment later in the show. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, we'll be talking about a cocktail that says, Take me to the beach now. We have the seven-day weather forecast, and Steve interviews Councilman Casey Lewis about some improvement projects that may be coming to our city. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area, and when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction, a Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. Did you know that Southwestern Adventist University is located right in our backyard? With a small, safe campus, Swahoo provides a Christ-centered learning environment with hands-on experiences and dedicated professors. For a limited time, local freshmen enrolling for fall 2021 will receive a stackable $3,000 scholarship. Interested in working in radio, film, advertising, or another area of communication? Learn more about the communication programs at Southwestern Adventist University at swau.edu. Hey Mansfield, did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. 
Hi, I'm MISD School Board President Courtney Lackey Wilson, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction. Speaking of Courtney Lackey Wilson, we will start with breaking news. A school board meeting has been called for Thursday afternoon, and agenda item number seven states, quote, consider accepting the resignation of Courtney Lackey Wilson, place seven from the board of trustees, unquote. About Mansfield reached out to Wilson for comment and received a text stating that she needs a break for health reasons. The corresponding agenda item is to, quote, consider appointing a trustee to fill the vacancy in place seven. As of this recording, there is no word on who that appointee may be. Well, if you were like me on Saturday night, you may have been sitting around watching a little TV and all of a sudden all the phones in the house rang Yep, it was another Amber Alert, but this one with a local tie. With us on the phone is Sergeant Brian Rains with the Mansfield Police Department. And uh, Sergeant, tell us about uh, the story. How did it unfold? And it, and it wound up here in Mansfield. Tell, uh, tell us the story. Well, just like everyone else, uh, I'm, at, I'm at home off duty and, and hear the Amber Alert and look at it and, and uh, from Brownsville and like, oh, what are the what are the odds I'm going to see it at work tonight or have anything to do with that? So. Hours later, we're at work, and uh, Brownsville PD calls and says, hey, we have some information that uh, you know our, our suspect and, and the child we're looking for that we're concerned about uh, could be in your city in this, this general area, and uh, can y'all go investigate? And jumped right on it. Just got, got my guy, said, hey, here, here's the area, and coordinated a plan and just, just methodically searched uh, this area for a couple hours and, and came across the vehicle, and, and it, it had a happy ending. And it wound up somewhere out there on Debbie Lane, from what I the stories that I've read. And tell about the arrest process. Okay, so when when we located the vehicle, our main concern is the child. We're trying to trying to rescue her is our is our first priority. So we found found the car, see them see them both in there, and it looked like they're asleep. Uh, many times on on the midnight shift, people fake being asleep, and then they'll you know do do things. So that was our concern: is hey, he, he might be alert to our presence, and uh, this is a ploy. So just hey, got a, a quick team said, hey, we're going to do A, B, and C, ready, let's move. And went in there, we were able to get uh, get between the suspect and the child. Some other officers were able to remove him from the vehicle, and it, it just went real smooth, safe, no injuries. Uh, child was rescued in perfect health. Uh, so we were, we were really, really happy and fortunate uh, that everything just kind of came together for a good ending. And this was a case of a 18-year-old adult male who uh, was with a 13-year-old female. Is that correct? Yeah, the, the information we had is is 18-year-old male uh, with a kidnapping warrant is a, is the victim's a 13-year-old juvenile child, and uh, you know she's in danger. We need to rescue her. So that's what we're working off of. And when you found the car, was it like finding a needle in a haystack? It's just like, oh my gosh, here it is. Yes, uh, I was actually the one that ended up finding it, and it was it was one of those that and we had, we were working with the Brownsville PD, kind of you know, hey, we we believe it's in this area. Can can you check? And just coming up with a a plan and trying to just just stick to it. Hey, we're going to check this area on foot. We're looking in backyards. We're looking in fields. We're and just methodically kind of kind of having a grid search basically. And we've had similar things where we're we're doing something like this, and someone tosses stuff out the window or, or, or misleading things or so we weren't sure what what we were working on what brownsville had to, to put us in the area so we're, we're, we're just not sure and to come across the car like oh wow 
now we, you know, now we gotta, gotta put some action to, to now that we've located it. Yeah. It was a good feeling to, to just to find it and then let alone see them in the car. And the doors were unlocked. Yeah. So from what it, what it looked like from us is having the AC running, trying to sleep and had, had the, the car unlocked. We had a plan if it was unlocked or locked. So I'm glad it was unlocked because the, the, if the doors were locked, uh, it would have been a lot rougher recovery than just having to open the door and pull them out. And the girl has been returned to Brownsville in uh, perfect condition. Yes. We talked to mom. I mean, just minutes after uh, we recovered her, we were able to get a hold of mom. I'll tell you, it was cool. Uh, I was with the officer that ended up talking to mom. I had um, Officer Hernandez just talking to her, and but I could hear her voice, and that was a good feeling. It was a really good feeling to hear her relief and excitement and just uh, her, her nervous excitement uh, on the phone. So I guess the lesson learned for Mansfield residents is pay attention to these Amber Alerts. Yes. You, you just don't know. We've, we've had other Amber Alerts in the past that, that uh, in one way or another touch Mansfield where we're part of the investigation and recovery. If we get some just in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we're, we're on the highways. We're, we're trying to just get out there and, and uh, follow up on all information. And this one just came directly to us and had some credible intel and information gathered from Brownsville. And, and you just never know. You don't, you don't know. And, and kind of like at the beginning, I, I got the Amber Alert on my phone uh, when I was with my family, you know, off duty. And you're like, oh, and that's, I, won't, I probably won't go into work tonight and have any, any investigation with that. But <laughs> that wasn't the case. I, we, we got to have a, a big part of the, the recovery. Sergeant Brian Raines, Mansfield Police Department, uh, congratulations and uh, thank you for being on About Mansfield. Yes, sir. Thank you. Mansfield City Council held a regularly scheduled meeting on Monday evening, and here to talk about it, the following opinions of those of Michael Evans may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. We welcome to the studio our Mayor, Michael Evans. Welcome to About Mansfield. It is always good to be here with you, Steve. Thank you. Let's talk about what happened Monday night. Our former Mayor, Mayor Cook, uh, former Mayor Cook was in town and handed out some proclamations. Let's start with that. You know, it was good to see uh, Representative Cook, um, my predecessor, uh, to begin the public portion of the meeting. As a matter of fact, uh, he came and um, he offered uh, proclamations to each member of the city council, uh, just congratulating them and congratulating us on uh, being uh, elected or reelected in some cases to uh, our respective seats and uh, thanking uh, each one of us for our public service. You know, I've kind of felt uh, sorry for him because uh, he received calls uh, from me well into uh, the wee hours of the morning during Snowmageddon, but uh, we laughed about it, and uh, he's doing a great job as well. So he, he came to to wave at us, and it was good to see uh, um, former Mayor uh, Cook, our state representative. It really was. One of the fine things about the city of Mansfield is the park system, and it has been named Parks and Rec Month for July. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. And, and let me tell you something. We are absolutely thrilled about the great work that uh, Matt Young and, and that entire uh, parks board and, and staff, what they're doing in Mansfield. Uh, we know that our parks here in town are really uh, par excellent. Uh, they, they are second to none. So uh, we owe them that. And my hope is that uh, folks will get out and uh, enjoy uh, the parks. You know, uh, it's, it's strange because we're hearing about extreme heat in different regions of the country. And uh, for us, though, it's uh, relatively relatively 
cool, so to speak. Now, now, if you're new to Texas, I know that doesn't sound like much to you. But for us native Texans, I mean, listen, we've been in the 80s in late June, which is... Um, uncharacteristically cool for us. So uh, That's right. we're taking it, you know, but get out, y'all, and enjoy our park system. Next on the agenda, we have a severe blood shortage in yeah. the uh, in the city. And how can we help? You know, I, I tell you, let, let me speak to that. I uh, uh, heard from our friends at uh, the Carter Blood Care. And I don't know if people know this, but uh, in regard to our local blood supply, it has reached its lowest level in 30 years. And uh, without any action from eligible blood donors in Mansfield and uh, beyond, uh, this shortage will, will only continue. So I want to encourage uh, individuals 17 years and older, and even if you are 16, year old, uh, 16 years old and uh, weigh at least 110 pounds uh, with uh, permission from uh, your parents or guardians, uh, you can actually give the gift of life. Uh, be mindful of the fact that uh, when we talk about uh, donating blood, we, we need blood for surgeries, of course. We need blood for cancer patients, and the list goes on and on. So we are are really uh, in need of that. And I'm just asking people to go by uh, the uh, a local uh, blood bank and um, let's do our part. In full disclosure, I've never given blood before. And maybe this this would be the opportunity to do that. It sounds like a uh, uh, that we are in need. We of are. A couple of awards were handed out Monday night. Let's talk about the awards. Yes, sir. Some awards to some good folks. So we, we surprised our EMS chief, Kevin Sandifer. I mean, he's the man behind the scene. But uh, we surprised him with the 2020 uh, Jesse Fernandez Frontline Leadership Award for his extraordinary leadership uh, during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, be mindful of the fact that uh, Kevin and, and really a lot of our first responders, they had to do a pivot. So Kevin Sandifer continues to lead uh, Mansfield's COVID-19 vaccine clinic. And uh, he played a huge role in uh, positioning the Mansfield Fire Department, uh, believe it or not, to act as a uh, public health body. And in addition to that, um, he continues to serve uh, in his leadership role as the emergency uh, response uh, uh, person. And he leads that body. And, and let me say this, you know, the pandemic uh, brought about uh, new things, I think, for all of us. And it showed us as a city how much uh, we have to grow in uh, some of these uh, social service areas. Uh, but uh, please know this, uh, the challenge has been met. And uh, our rank and file are doing an outstanding job. We should be proud of them. Uh, the other award that uh, we received, uh, Mansfield's uh, Director of Finance, uh, Troy Listina, uh, informed the council that the city of Mansfield has been awarded the um, fiscal year or awarded the fiscal year 2021 uh, Government Finance Officers Association Award. It's a distinguished uh, budget award, and this award is given to uh, local governments uh, that meet the highest standards of budgeting, and Mansfield has received this award, uh, believe it or not, every year since 1987. So uh, we thank our uh, budget team for their continued efforts to uh, build a budget that responsibly meets uh, the needs of the Mansfield residents. And, and I, I want you to know this, you know, as a as a new mayor, uh, it's just good to hear that uh, we've got uh, we've got a good crew, good staff who's um, helping us all to be good stewards of taxpayers dollars. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's one of those that you stick your chest out on, I tell you. And for the 
folks that are living out on the east side of uh, 360 here in Mansfield, just a reminder: Daymar Road came up uh, on on the uh, on the the agenda again. It did, it did. Listen, uh, for those individuals, my God, you know you've got Holland Road and Daymar Road. Uh, from the way it looks, Steve, uh, both of those roads are going to be uh, torn up at the same time, and um, I, I just know that uh, people have been long way awaiting. Uh, for Daymire Road to be taken care of. And we have as well. You know, we've been waiting on Encore uh, to uh, move utility wires and help us with the infrastructure there. And um, uh, that's that's been kind of slow and going. And uh, again, we, I'm blaming um, COVID and I'm blaming uh, also Snowmageddon for slowing down that process. Uh, but uh, uh, we want folks to know that that has not been forgotten and we are working to get that done. So uh, y'all just hold on. It's coming. It's coming. And it's coming. Let's talk about the multi-agency task force that also came up on the agenda Monday night. Yes, yes. Uh, our council, we approved a resolution authorizing the Mansfield City Manager and the Mansfield Police Department uh, to make application and to receive and expend uh, grant funding for the uh, Texas Department of Motor Vehicles, the Crime Prevention Authority, uh, to continue a multi-agency uh, task force. And that's, again, motor vehicles, crime prevention. So um, uh, that continues continues to be a problem in our region and in the country. And I appreciate Chief Aaron and that team for keeping that in the forefront. And we want our residents to know that when it comes to our first responders and our police, that we are still the safest city in the state of Texas, one of the top two. And you know what? With these kind of initiatives, we're going to continue to be number one. And to round out the agenda, you made some changes to filing for public office forms. Let's get into that and wrap this thank up. You. Yeah, uh -huh. thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Steve. In, in regard to that, uh, the council passed changes to um, the filing forms uh, for public office in Mansfield. We want to make sure that individuals who are uh, desiring to serve in, in, in elected offices, whether it's mayor or council, that uh, they're able to, number one, really understand what they're being asked uh, to do uh, and and know what the their responsibilities are in that regard. So uh, we want people to um, be clear and and, and clearly state uh, their residency, uh, uh, clearly state as well uh, their eligibility to um, actually run for these offices. So uh, we're doing the best we can to uh, clear up that language and um, you know for further changes that need to be made. Uh, we just have to continue to lean on the state in that regard to help to make that stuff happen. Mr. Mayor, we'll see you in two weeks. Yes, sir. And listen, let me let me mention this. Yes, sir. Now, the 4th of July is coming up, and uh, we hope uh, to have uh, great festivities all over the city, north, south, east, and west. So um, uh, we're alive again. My only hope is that the rain doesn't catch us. But uh, we're looking forward to a great time. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for being on About Mansfield. This is A Moment with the Mayor. Many events all over the world that were canceled in 2020 due to COVID are making a big comeback this year. And one of those events is Mansfield's annual Rockin' Forth Fireworks Celebration, which has been rebranded to Mansfield Rocks Weekend. With us on the phone is Visit Mansfield's Marketing and Promotions Manager, Tim Roberts. 
Tim, the Mansfield Rocks fireworks event has a little bit of a twist this year, including tickets and such. Give us the lowdown on how Mansfield residents can view this year's fireworks display. The big difference this year, uh, the, the two big differences, I should say, is that we've spread out the event to the whole weekend. Uh, so we've kind of categorized a number of different events uh, for Friday and Saturday as Mansfield Rocks. On Friday, we'll have events at the Children's Health Star Center. Uh, the lot downtown will have an event. We'll have a home run derby uh, out at Big League Dreams. And then uh, on Saturday, we've got a whole other day of packed events, things at the lot. Uh, but the fireworks show, which everybody's interested in, there will now be a premium parking and viewing option at Big League Dreams and Hawaiian Falls. Tickets are on sale for that. They are, are going very quickly. We are down to probably just a few dozen left total. And for $25, that gets your car parked at the Big League Dream Sports Complex and then gets you entry into either park to uh, Hawaiian Falls or Big League Dreams to enjoy all the festivities there. Then there will be a free watch event at Vernon Newsom Stadium. That parking lot will open at 4 p.m. You will enter on the North Holland Road entrance. You'll just park your car there, bring your coolers, your, your blankets, your chairs, set up shop right there and, and watch from the parking lot of Vernon Newsom Stadium with just an amazing, awesome view of our fireworks spectacular that we are so happy to have back this year. What time do the fireworks start? The fireworks start shortly after 9 p.m. It's always kind of, you know, finding that exact window, but they will happen shortly after 9 p.m. If there's any reason for delays, fire marshals, says we have to delay for wind or whatnot, we've had that happen in the past, uh, be sure and follow both the city page and the Visit Mansfield Facebook page because we'll give you all the updates there if we have to delay them by 10, 15 minutes. Fingers crossed, no delays. In the past, you've used a Mansfield-based fireworks company. Are you using the same company that uses those large explosions at the finale? Yes, there will be the the atom bomb explosions, as they've been dubbed uh, by a lot of people around here. So if you hear a massive explosion around 9.30, 9.40 on uh, Saturday night, don't call the police. It's just the end of the fireworks show. We always get a couple of 911 calls from that. Yeah, okay, so he's back. Uh, he's a super popular showman, and that, that is his signature explosion at the end. So yes, that, that is all back. Is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, again, uh, you can just find the entire list of events for the weekend on mansfieldrocks.com, uh, and there's just options for everybody. If you don't want to be out in the heat, we've got some indoor events, we've got some plays, uh, obviously a lot of great partners uh, with our friends over at Children's Health Star Center and the lot downtown. So we've really spread the event out to the entire city rather than just having one focused event uh, with, you know, 15,000 people packed into one area. It's now spread out. You'll have plenty of elbow room uh, and, a, and a lot of different options to celebrate the 4th of July. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission states that fireworks were involved with an estimated 10,000 injuries treated in U.S. hospital emergency rooms in 2019. Children younger than 15 years of age accounted for over one-third of those injuries. Mansfield Fire Rescue Assistant Fire Chief Jeff Smith said that, simply put, fireworks are illegal within Mansfield city limits. The international fire code that we have adopted says that the possession, manufacture, storage, sale, handling, and use of fireworks within the city of Mansfield is prohibited. 
there's a small little clause that allows for the transport through the city limits, but they cannot be opened or accessible while in the vehicle. If caught with fireworks, they can be confiscated if you're setting them off within city limits, but it's the fine that will set you back a pretty penny. The fire marshal's office can uh, write fines and tickets up to $2,000 for each incident where you're caught with fireworks. And that's a hefty penalty for something as simple as a sparkler. Sparklers are, are classified as a firework and illegal within the city limit. Assistant Chief Smith added the use and misuse of fireworks can also lead to damages to personal property and grass fires that can spread out of control, and that spreads their crews pretty thin. You know, anyone who's lived here has heard, can hear them every night around the 4th of July going off. It's all, it overwhelms the, uh, the first responders, definitely. If you encounter illegal fireworks within city limits, you can call the Mansfield Police Department, the non-emergency number at 817-473-0211. In this week's science report, Dennis Webb continues his series about space rocks that keep hitting our planet. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. We have talked for several weeks about rocks falling from space. This week we will discuss the biggest historical impacts and what our nation and planet are doing to protect us. The largest impact on the continental USA apparently happened 35 million years ago in what is now Chesapeake Bay, near Newport News, Virginia. This impact, thought to be an object nearly two miles across, hit the Earth at 130,000 miles per hour, leaving a crater 50 miles across and fracturing rock five miles below the surface. The surrounding area was devastated, including a mega tsunami that likely reached what is now the Blue Ridge Mountains, the front range of the Appalachian Mountains across many states. Bigger impacts have happened. In the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico, deep drilling geologists have discovered a very large crater from a very large meteorite impact. The impactor was estimated to be at least six miles across, blasting a crater 90 miles across and 19 miles deep about 66 million years ago. The crater is named Chicxulub, a Mayan place name that is still in use. Geologists can make estimates of these things by studying the subsurface geology and correlating what they find to current theories about asteroid impact. Even though the crater is now far below the surface, a thing that sometimes happens across geologic time. There is a widely accepted body of theory that Chicxulub impact put so much dust in the atmosphere it changed the climate for many years, immediately created worldwide tidal waves leading to a massive planet-wide species extinction event that wiped out the big dinosaurs. Our planet has experienced a number of externally caused mass species extinction events across deep time, just it hasn't happened in human historical memory. Perhaps a blind spot for our consideration. So what are we doing about the potential for such events today? Since 1998, the USA and European Union are scanning the sky in a program called Space Guard. As a part of this, the U.S. Congress directed NASA to catalog at least 90% of the objects that are over 3,300 feet in diameter, that's one kilometer, that might cause a global catastrophe. In 2011, this national goal was increased to include smaller objects larger than 460 feet or 140 meters in diameter. These still have the potential for large-scale, though not global, damage. 
While congressional action is sometimes largely symbolic, this action was a big deal in defending our planet. Following this congressional action, there was money for professional observatories to search for these objects and money for NASA to build a catalog of giant space rocks whose orbital path crosses the Earth's own orbit. By 1999, the Lincoln Near-Earth Asteroid Research Project, called LINEAR, was the first large-scale success, detecting 250 dangerous asteroids each year. Linear is located at the Air Force Space Command's Observatory at White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico, in partnership with NASA and MIT's Lincoln Laboratory. Us amateur astronomers used to resent linear in these days, as it incidentally discovered lots of comets before amateur astronomers could discover them. By 2009, Lanier had discovered most of the known one-kilometer-wide Earth-crossing space rocks, now numbering almost 900, though other observatories still find a few new big ones each year. Newer instruments, including the Catalina Sky Survey in Tucson, Arizona, and PANSTARS, Panoramic Survey Telescope and Rapid Response System, which is on a mountain in Hawaii, have become productive, and amateur astronomers have found a few. The Planetary Society gives grants to amateur astronomers who are doing useful work in detecting and characterizing these objects. Nearly 10,000 of the larger space rocks have been cataloged since the start, and another 15,000 smaller objects are also listed. Our solar system is a busy place. So, our planetary defense system has a growing list of potentially hazardous asteroids, and NASA refines our understanding of their orbits with additional measurements to see which ones might get close and when. What happens when NASA finds one headed our way? It's more complicated than shooting down a high-flying goose, and we'll discuss that next week. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Monday is National Bikini Day. Since July 5th, 1946, women have been hitting the beaches and poolsides in bikinis. National Bikini Day marks the anniversary of the invention of the revealing two-piece bathing suit. Named after the Bikini Atoll, where the United States conducted atomic tests, the two-piece bathing suit made its debut in Paris by French designer Louis Rayard. By World War II, sunbathers cast aside the one-piece bathing apparatus for the more simple two-piece bathing suit. However, nothing prepared the United States for the revealing bikini when it hit the beaches on July 5th, 1946. The skimpy strips of fabric were seen as less than a woman's unmentionables. While Europeans enthusiastically donned the bikini after a long and arduous world war, Americans' sense of decency kept them from accepting the bikini until the 1960s. Today, the bikini comes in all shapes, sizes, colors, and fabrics. Designers expanded the style to flatter more body shapes, enticing more women to wear the fashion. So Monday, which is a holiday, let's at least see if the weather is going to cooperate with your poolside plans in wearing an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini. Colleen? Let's take a look at the seven-day weather forecast for Mansfield, Texas. We'll be continuing with this current pattern that's pulling up gulf moisture and keeping our temperatures low. We're looking at temperatures in the upper 80s to low 90s with slight rain chances every day for the rest of the week and through the 4th of July. While Friday we're looking at a 70% chance of rain, by the 4th it's only 30%. With National Bikini Day on Monday... 
Well, the weather might cooperate, but the pandemic pudge that's crept up on most of us might not best be showcased with an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini. But wear what you like. It's all about attitude and confidence. And Steve, I was looking for National Wear a Speedo Day for you, but apparently it's not a thing. Yet. Meanwhile, the Tarrant Regional Water District recommends that many Mansfield lawns will need additional water this week, up to three-quarters of an inch. If your lawn receives some rainfall, leave your system off for a couple of days and adjust your controller based on the amount of rain you received. Use a rain gauge to track how much rain falls on your lawn and subtract that from your watering advice. As always, you can view a map of watering recommendations for North Texas at waterisawesome.com. Coming up after the break, when we turn the page to the features section, we will be back in 60 seconds with Katrina Brown with our new weekly health tip. Home improvement specialist Terry Radswin's report goes to pot in the Ask Terry segment. And Brian Certain is here with the cocktail of the week. Also coming up later in the episode, the trivia question of the week. And I will talk in studio with Councilman Casey Lewis about some improvement projects that may be coming to our city. Stay with us. I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hey, business owners. Have you thought about growing your business through social media but don't know where to start? Never fear. I'm Sonia Salazar, and Wise Media Group is here offering coaching for do-it-yourself social media marketing, or we can do it for you. We have packages for every budget. Wise Media Group specializes in organic Facebook and Instagram growth. Let's get Mansfield businesses connected in 2021. Give us a call for a free 30-minute consultation at 817-913-2989. That's 817-913-2989. Or find us on social media at Wise Media Group. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Media Group on Facebook and Instagram. Wise Media Group, helping you make wise social media marketing decisions in 2021. Hi, I'm Casey Lewis, and you're listening to About Mansfield. It's time right now for the Texas Health Tip of the Week, and this week we find health specialist Katrina Brown out on a limb. Katrina? There are many fruits and vegetables that are grown in summer that will help you beat the heat and stay fit and healthy. I will be discussing a few of them in detail, but before that, let me tell you why summer fruits and veggies should be eaten during summertime. Fruits and vegetables that are grown in summer will be found in abundance all through the summer months, so naturally they will be more affordable and you may easily stock them for future usage. Fruits and vegetables of summer will be naturally grown and therefore they will be tastier and more nutritious when eaten while fresh. Also, since they will be naturally ripened, it is better to eat them during summer than other seasons when they may be artificially grown. Summer fruits and vegetables get the favorable weather conditions to grow, so naturally they are healthier than the other off-season fruits and veggies and usually bigger and tastier. 
Most of them retain the natural flavor and color when grown in summer, making them much more appealing, especially to children. Your summer body will get all the necessary vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that it needs for the summer fruits and vegetables. So you can remain energetic, active, and healthy and all through summer. So I wanted to talk about a couple of popular summer garden goodies available in our area. My top favorite is watermelon. When it comes to the summer heat, you need to drink lots of water and water-containing foods. And when it comes to juicy foods, nothing can compare to the delicious watermelon. Watermelon contains about 92% water, and so it is one of the tastiest ways to hydrate your body during the heat. Watermelon is rich in lycopene, which is a phytonutrient that gives your body and your skin immense protection from the harmful UV rays of the sun. In fact, not just UV rays, lycopene is great in giving your body protection against cancer and is also known to boost your bone and heart health. Next up is tomatoes. Remember, it's a fruit, but don't put it in your fruit salad. As far as the top summer fruits and vegetables are concerned, inclusion of the tomatoes is a must. This is because, just like watermelons, the tomatoes contain the highly beneficial lycopene, so it will also give you protection from the scorching summer rays. Besides that, tomatoes are very instrumental in keeping your heart healthy, which is so important for you, especially during the stressful summer months when working or playing outdoors may be more demanding physically. The wide variety of phytonutrients present in the tomato provides antioxidant support that in turn help improve your blood lipid profile. Studies have also shown that consuming tomatoes or tomato juice in proper quantity helps you reduce the levels of harmful LDL, that's the bad cholesterol, and lower your triglycerides. You may pair the fresh tomato with avocados, olive oil, and other healthy fats as fat helps better absorption of the nutrients present in tomatoes. Our last featured garden find is the summer squash. In comparison to the winter squash, which have a hard shell, summer squash is tender and the skin is thinner. So when you eat squash in summer, you get to eat the whole thing. Naturally, your body gets all the rich nutrients contained in them. The skin of the summer squash is rich in antioxidants, whereas the seeds contain a good quantity of omega-3 fatty acids. Summer squash are also rich in several anti-inflammatory agents that are good for your eyes, so do not squash the idea of including this beneficial summer treasure. In short, all of the great summer fruits and veggies available. Try to keep your immune system strong and help your body adjust to the change in temperature outside so that you stay fit and healthy and energetic all through the summer months. So hit up the farmer's market this weekend. You won't regret it. Until next time, stay healthy, Mansfield. On behalf of Texas Health Hospital Mansfield and reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Katrina Brown. It's time right now for the Ask Terry segment. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist, and he answers your questions about the place that you call home. Terry? Our question today comes from Steve, who writes, I'm starting a garden fountain project and need some advice on how to finish it up. The water pump will be placed in a 12-inch clay pot. The electrical cord will feed through the hole at the bottom of the pot along with a 1-inch rubber plug. The problem is the hole in the pot is not 100% sealed and water will drip down to the base. What do you recommend that I seal the hole with? Thanks for the question, Steve, and thanks for sending a photo of what's going on. Sounds like you've got quite an ambitious undertaking going on there, but I think I've got a simple solution for your problem. With many clay pots, the drain hole in the bottom is not perfectly round, causing the perfectly round rubber bushing that the cord feeds through to not give a tight enough seal to keep water from leaking out of the pot. That, in turn, leads to wasting water and having to refill the pot frequently. Fortunately, chemistry has provided us with a variety of products which will seal the uh, seal in your water vessel. 
Epoxy putty will provide a rigid seal that's watertight and permanent. Epoxy is a two-part product, the putty itself and the catalyst that activates the hardening process, which comes in a stick with the catalyst wrapped around the putty. To use it, you cut or pinch off what you think is the correct amount and knead it between your fingers. You wear disposable gloves to do this, which we all no doubt have a ton of around the house, thanks to the pandemic, until it's thoroughly blended and press it into place around the rubber seal from the inside of the pot. Depending on the formulation, the putty hardens in anywhere from 5 minutes to 30 minutes, and it's fully cured within 24 hours. There are versions that can be used under water, so you can even repair a leak in a filled vessel if necessary. The downside to the epoxy is that it's a pretty permanent fix and can be difficult to remove if you have to change the pump or the cord at some point. Generally, a more flexible seal is going to be what you want, and there's a couple of options in a squeeze or cartridge tube that'll do the job. All-purpose silicone caulk is a product that most of us are familiar with, and it'll do the job pretty well. If your fountain project is going to be part of a larger pond project, I'd recommend using the silicone that's made for sealing aquariums, particularly if you're planning to add fish to the pond, as some of the chemicals in general-purpose silicone can be harmful to marine life. Remember, of course, that silicone is difficult to clean up, so be pretty precise with your placement, and again, wear disposable gloves if you're going to be using your fingers to tool the caulk. A third option, and the one I'd actually recommend, is the new generation of polyurethane sealants. They tend to be more flexible even than silicone and seem to spread better as well. Like silicone, they don't clean up with soap and water, so disposable gloves will be needed to spread the product with your fingers. Polyurethanes give better adhesion and work better than silicone if the surface isn't perfectly clean as well. There are marine grade versions which are suitable for being submerged in water, and that's really the best solution for your project. What I don't recommend you use is an acrylic latex caulk like tub and tile caulk, even if it's fortified with silicone. Those products are not submersible and will pretty much melt and wash right out of the pot after being underwater for a few days. How do I know this? Don't ask. Just know that the results are messy and it's been tried and done before. End of story. Steve, I hope your project goes well and gives you years of listening to the peaceful sound of water trickling in your fountain. And if you listeners have a question or a home improvement project you'd like help with, you can get it to me by email at askterry at aboutmansfield.com or by visiting my Facebook page at AskTerryAMPodcast or my Twitter at AskTerryAMPod. I'll have a website and a YouTube channel up soon, so I'll be able to show and tell my solutions instead of just tell. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm home improvement specialist, Terry Radswin. Brian Certain takes us to the Virgin Islands with a concoction that will have you yearning for the beach in the cocktail of the week. This week's cocktail of the week is the painkiller. I was introduced to this classic cocktail by a friend during the Christmas season more than a decade ago. And since so many things in my memories are related to when things happen, I've always associated this very summer cocktail to Christmas. But since I'm introducing you to this crowd pleaser during the first three weeks of summer 2021, I hope that you will think of this drink every time you think of summer. The story my friend told me is that he and his wife had been honeymooning on St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and they had taken a day excursion over to the British Virgin Islands and the island of Joss van Dyke. Joss van Dyke is a three-square-mile island that's the smallest of the British Virgin Islands, and in there, there's a bar that's in White's Bay that's called the Soggy Dollar Bar. 
The reason that is called the Soggy Dollar Bar is that White's Bay, while it has today about 90 little ramshackle bars on it, there is no dock. So everyone has to hop off the boat, wade ashore, and guess what? Your money gets wet along with you. The story that he was telling is that after he and his wife waded ashore, they sat at one of the six seats at the bar at that time. There's a lot more now. And ordered a painkiller. Now, the rumor is the bar would not serve a number one to a man, and they would not serve a number six to a woman. The number indicates the number of shots of Pusser's rum added to the drink before any mixture is added. When I visited Joss Van Dyke at Christmas 2015, of course, I had to go to the now famous bar. I was amazed to see they were selling painkillers as fast as they literally could make them. The bartenders, and there were about four of them, would line up 10 plastic cups at a time, put ice in it, pour the pusser's rum in, and then the mixture, and then they would give each glass a little shake and then say, $10, $10, $10 to everyone who wanted them, selling them immediately, and then setting up another 10 in the 10 minutes that I was there, and they must have sold 100 drinks in that time period between the four bartenders, and they do that all day long. But from the PussersRum.com website, the version of Pusser's Rum actually had its start at that Soggy Dollar Bar, which is on the island of Joss Van Dyke. There's no dock, as I said, so the usual way is to swim. Of course, your money gets wet, hence the name Soggy Dollar Bar. And at that time, it was owned by an English lady, Daphne Henderson. Boaters, including Pusser's founder, Charles Tobias, came from distant places to sample her version of the painkiller, for which she became locally famous. The fact that Tobias had gone to the Admiralty Board of the Royal Navy and gained permission to commercialize the rum in 1979 made him curious about this deliciously concocted recipe made with Pusser's rum. Now, Daphne Henderson and Charles Tobias became good friends, but in spite of that close friendship, no matter how hard he tried, she refused to divulge the recipe for the cocktail. Two years passed. On late one Sunday afternoon, after a morning spent killing the pain, Tobias somehow managed to get one of her concoctions back through the surf and over the gunwales of his boat, and ultimately to his kitchen on Tortola, where he lived. And there he went trying to match her flavor as closely as possible with his own recipe, which he finally worked out for the 4-1-1-1 ratio. Four parts pineapple juice, one part cream of coconut, one part orange juice, adding the Pusser's rum to suit. The following Sunday, Tobias returned to her bar and announced to the patrons on hand that he had broken her secret. So he mixed one and and circulated the cocktail with one of hers and one of his, and Tobias discerned still a slight difference, but thought his mixture was better, not quite as sweet as hers, and told her so. The 10 patrons gathered around the bar and unanimously preferred his version to hers, and the rest is history. Soon after that, Tobias started promoting Pusser's painkillers, first at the Roadtown Pub in St. Thomas, and then at his restaurants at the West End and on Marina Cay. He's always given her the credit with a byline of inspired by Daphne at the Soggy Dollar Bar. Um, But from this modest beginning, the fame of the painkiller has not only spread through the boating and sailing communities, but to bars, corner pubs, chain restaurants, and some of the finest cocktail venues in the world. As always, don't worry about taking notes, as I'll be giving all the ingredients instructions on bourbongospel.com. Ingredients. You're going to need two ounces of Pusser's rum. 
you're going to need four ounces of pineapple juice, one ounce of orange juice, one ounce of cream of coconut, and some freshly grated nutmeg. Pro bar tip, I use one whole can of pineapple juice, and then I use a fourth of a can of the orange juice and a fourth of a can of the cream of coconut and have the mixture pre-made instead of making the cocktails one at a time. I then add the rum based off of the individual person's preference. But to make the drink, you just add all the ingredients to a cocktail shaker and shake vigorously, pour into a big glass or a goblet filled with ice, grate the nutmeg on top. I don't do it, but the recipe does call for a garnish of orange slice and cherry. Be careful. This is a very smooth and sneaky drink, but enjoy. But as always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And as Mark Twain says, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Congratulations to Sequoia Ford, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. How many zip codes border Mansfield? According to the U.S. Postal Service website, there are 11 zip codes that border Mansfield. We have them listed on our website under the Links tab. Sequoia has won a $25 gift card to Torchy's Tacos. After the break, this week's trivia question of the week. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities. can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows such as Ask Philip, On the Mark, Grown and Unfiltered, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Epic Voices and Conversations from Palm Springs. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast or if you're just looking for a better place to record podcast mansfield recording studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com that's podcastmansfield.com in 1999 mansfield cares was founded to be the safety net for those in need in our great city mansfield cares built the first free medical dental eye clinic and the warehouse that is home to the only food bank in mansfield Our city's seven food pantries, Feed the Kids program, Back to School Bash, and college scholarships have all benefited from Mansfield Cares. Become a part of Mansfield's safety net. Donate today at mansfieldcares.org. That's mansfieldcares.org. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to the brand new Torchy's Tacos. They're located in the shops abroad, featuring award-winning queso, a full bar, and a variety of damn good tacos. You can find them on the internet at torchystacos.com. Let's get to this week's question. Colleen? Well, Steve, big league dreams and Mansfield's 
celebrated its 13th birthday this spring. The California-based company has 11 locations throughout the United States on which baseball or softball players can play ball on fields that replicate present-day or former Major League Baseball fields. Mansfield's location has eight replica fields. This week's question is... Name the eight replica ballparks at Big League Dreams. Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, name the eight replica ballparks at Big League Dreams in Mansfield. Good luck, and thanks to Jessica at Torchies for the gift card. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, uh, we all know him. He's uh, very well known around town. He is a, um, a bass player at church. He is a city councilman. He is uh, my neighbor until... Um, until soon. I'm not sure exactly when soon. He is Casey Lewis, and we welcome him back to About Mansfield. Thanks, Steve. Good to see you. And we're here to talk specifically about some bond issues that are going to be coming up around town. And uh, but, but before we get into those bond issues, uh, because we got some time to just sit back and relax and chit-chat, because this is the talk segment, the extended talk segment. Uh, the first question I really wanted to ask you was... Um, because you've got your pulse on not only the city of Mansfield, but I think that you have your finger on current events in general. So, um, should America be concerned that Simone Biles really sucked in the Olympics uh, uh, trials last night? No, Simone is going to be just fine. She's going to be okay. So, I, I mean, because last night... She stepped out of bounds on the on the floor exercise. She was not happy with the the what's the long the balance beam. The balance beam. Yeah, she, there we go. yeah. She just it was not a good night for Simone Biles, and so uh, I'm I'm a little concerned. But you know, Simone has her own move on the floor exercise. They call it the Biles. What do you envision as uh, the move? called the Casey or the Lewis. <laughs> Sit there and lay down and die. Sit <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, that floor routine is probably not my forte. He's he's doing the Lewis and he's just lying there. <laughs> uh, I got an email from you the other day about some projects coming up here in Mansfield and and this is actually the reason on on having you in some bond issues that are coming up. And it's because Mansfield's growing. Yeah. From what I can see, the majority of these are improvements to our city. Yeah. So, we uh, we haven't had a bond election in Mansfield since 2004. Um, and really, it's time when you start looking around at our community and our, our size and what we attract and who lives here and um, the quality of life that we have grown to expect. And, and then we also look around at other places in um, even Grand Prairie or Flower Mound or even Burleson um, at the amenities and the facilities that are provided to their residents, the people that live there for quality of life purposes. You realize that we're, we're a little behind on some of those things. And then, of course, we have growing infrastructure strain things that we are able to manage and have been able to manage for a while, but we really need to think ahead and, and maybe pull some of these projects forward a little bit. So, council started 
about six months ago discussing what a bond package could look like. We're going through that. And uh, so I put out a couple, I guess, last week, mm-hmm. just some of the topics that have been discussed. And uh, we, we don't know what this bond package will look like yet, but we, we've got some ideas. For the benefit of the listeners who don't know what's involved in a bond issue, first of all, what is a bond and how does this affect the, the average Mansfield voter? at risk of just being super boring into bond debt issuance and how how all the process works. Uh, The city has within the tax rate a set amount that they can issue in any given year for bond debt. And we issue bond debt for anything from a, a major major road expansion to sometimes parks or city facilities. It's Think of it like your mortgage uh, on your house. You don't have all of that cash up front today to be able to pay for it. And if you do, it wipes out all of your ability to pay for other things like city services. So, we issue bond debt and pay that back over a 20-year period. So, the city has that capacity for a small amount of that in the budget every given year. And so it's considered our capital improvement plan. And we we look at that and manage it each year and say, okay, we've got five million here or eight million here, and we'll do this road this year. So a, a brief example then would be the city is asking the citizens permission to borrow X amount of dollars to be repaid over 20 20 years. Essentially. And so there, there are and two there are two ways to do uh, bond debt issuance. One is certificate of obligation, um, a CO, or the other is general obligation. Basically, one means we ask the voters their opinion, and the other one is the elected body and the, the council just goes ahead and does what issues the debt. Um, and for the past 20 years or so, the council has been the one that has issued those decisions. Um, the city council now wants to go ahead and get voter permission to do some of these projects, to pull some of these projects forward. And so when we look at the timeline, let's just say it's five years, we know that we have the capacity today over the next five years to issue just a hypothetical number, $50 million, $60 million, whatever it is. Right. We have about that capacity over the next five years. What we are looking toward is, okay, now let's be intentional about those next five years. What projects do we really need to accomplish? Who are there infrastructure pieces? Are there quality of life pieces? How do we make those things work? And then go to the voters and say, do y'all want this? If you do, we have the capacity to be able to do it, or we need to raise the tax rate one cent for every X million dollars, and that'll allow us to get these projects that are currently not on the list of any kind of capital plan. Um, We can go ahead and pull those forward a decade. Um, so that people that live here today can enjoy the quality of life projects that uh, that we're talking about. And let's talk about some of these projects. One of them, uh, the first one on the on your list was the Veterans Memorial Park. And any idea where this is going to be built and what it's going to look like? So the Veterans Park uh, came about several years ago. Council issued a subcommittee wanted to start planning for a veter- veterans memorial. We don't we don't have one. We're a large city, and as you know, Mansfield loves our veterans and wants to take good care of them and find any opportunity that we can to honor them and recognize them. So we have the Veterans Day uh, parade, sure. and all, I think Veterans Day parade and Palooza or something. It's a whole big thing in October, um, and. So, started looking at what this could look like, getting a park, getting a memorial set up. So, they started a, a 501c3 and created a foundation to fundraise for all of this and uh, realized that 
we could, with the snap of a finger, probably raise the money to be able to to do this rather than wait five, six, seven years to to be able to fundraise for this. Um, and so it would be a Veterans Memorial Park. Um, the current location is at Julian Field Park, our first city park. Yeah, um, on Broad Street. They're on Broad, mm-hmm. and so that would be the 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 location. They've worked with some. Uh, some architecture students at UTA to come up with preliminary designs. And so um, at this point, really, we're, we're just looking for the funding to finish it. And so we have, we have a fundraising route that can do it and it'll take five, six, seven years. Um, COVID has not been very kind to fundraising world. So, or included in this bond package, it's going to cost next to nothing for the average taxpayer. Um, and we can get this park built in the next 12 to 14 months. Next on the list is a multi-generational center, which I was interviewing here on the podcast, uh, uh, the communications manager for the Parks and Rec Department, Ann Beck, about this, and um, was describing that at a, a new rec center, an aquatic center, library, which at, sounds fabulous. At least those, yeah. Yeah. At uh, least. Describe... Uh, what the vision is for for this project so when the parks master plan was done in 2020 or completed in 2020 the number one thing we heard was aquatics and rec center yeah. those are the amenities that mansfield residents want and that we don't have or provide and then you start looking around in cities like burleson even has the brick or flower mound has these big facilities um, for indoor aquatics and rec centers um, arlington just opened up an amazing library uh Grand Prairie has the Epic and the Summit for their adult center. And so, looking at what quality of life communities provide for their residents, um, Mansfield, our, our MAC. Mansfield Activity Center is we have one gym and a couple of party rooms yeah. and not a lot of space. Our library has been in need of expansion for 20 years, um, and it doesn't make necessarily sense to expand a library in 2021 in its current location over by the train tracks. It just, it doesn't. Um, in 2021, libraries are geared around um, gathering spaces, places to meet, places to sit down and get some work done, grab a cup of coffee, um, meet a client, gr- get a book, get right. some education, get some training. Um, it's not just the, let me go across town and get and re- check out a book for two weeks. That's not what libraries do. Um, and so, uh, trying to find ways to use economies of scale. You're building a facility for a rec center. Why would you build a separate facility for a library? Um, maybe you can just build a, a mega building that houses both of those type of type of uses. And so that's that's really the the basis of it. We're going through right now how that building could look and function. Mm-hmm. But it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred to hundred and thirty thousand square foot building that has multiple gyms, has um, indoor aquatics. Um, so think water slide and also swim classes and, and uh, water aerobics type lap type, pool, lap pool that type of stuff. Uh-huh. And then uh, lazy river. I don't know about lazy river. We'll, <laughs> we'll see how, how uh, design plans go, but uh, that type of stuff that can be used for um, anything from birthday parties, rentals, um, and then library, of course, with all of its educational purposes uh, that that are tied in, and maybe a cafe. Um, we've talked about things like an educational kitchen. So, you like if you want a date night, you can go have a cooking class up at the Mac. That's um, awesome. So, 
really kind of dreaming what this could look like. Yeah. But uh, touring what other cities are providing for their community, uh, this is a this is kind of a, a next step into how Mansfield is viewed in the metroplex and around the world as a world class city with a hometown feel. And so then, all right. So the the library moves over to a new location, and what what becomes of the library and the Mac? We are a city of eighty thousand people, um, yeah. uh, approximately. We'll find out when the census comes out here soon. But uh, and we don't have a senior center. We our senior adults share the Mansfield Activity Center two days a week, and they they get it for about three hours a day. Right. Um, Again, we're we're a very large community with no senior center or activity adult active adult activity center. Um, so when you look at what what our library footprint is, what our Mansfield Activity Center footprint is, it would make sense that that would be a fantastic square footage to use as an active adult center um, that already has the gym built in, already has the meeting space and places to play games or meet and and uh, so. We'll, we'll move forward if uh, if the multi-generational rec center, aquatic center library is approved, we would also want to move forward with uh, retrofitting the existing buildings into the active adult center. Now, going back to the multi-generational center, uh, because I was going to ask if if the, the public had any way of of, of giving some input on, on this, and, and actually in terms of the, the rec center, library, aquatic center, the city is actually having public meetings, which I think the next one is, do you know? Don't, don't catch me lying. <laughs> July 7th, I think it's I at, think, at the library on Wisteria Street. Okay, that that's probably pretty accurate. I know um, we've got a, Parks has done a fantastic job of mm-hmm. reaching out to our community and finding what what do y'all want. Um, we did the Parks Master Plan, which was a two year study of right. lots of lots of requests and interviews, um, and then we actually did the city wide survey back in the fall, and that came back and had lots of input from residents about the types of facilities that they would like to see us have in Mansfield. Um, taking that further, now they're doing a steering committee uh, where. There's, it's made up of members of staff, members of the community, and members of uh, the city council, and uh, working in conjunction with one of our the building partners to figure out what that could potentially look like. And then each night of those steering committee meetings, they actually have public input meetings. Mm-hmm. And if someone in general wanted to respond, say, to... City Hall or the Act, uh, Active Adult Center, the Veterans Memorial Park. They can reach out to you and absolutely. You can... You've got my cell phone pretty much published everywhere. My uh, my email address <laughs> is published everywhere. If you've got thoughts, I, I do want to hear them. Yeah, City Hall is next on your list from this email that I received. And City Hall was built twenty years ago here in Mansfield. And is are you looking for a new location for this or? Or, or at least upgrading and so this is one that hasn't been as discussed on council. I think it's it's a time to start moving toward um, something like a, a town square type mm-hmm. of environment. But either way, city hall has to be um, larger. 
our city hall was built in early 2000 and the city's population, I think, was near 20,000 people, maybe 30,000. Um, we're, again, we're near 80,000 people, which means that city staff has grown in relation to our population. Um, our, our council chambers are packed. Um, on meeting nights, we don't oh, have yeah. space in, in council chambers. But then you look at upstairs at the city, city management offices, and in the finance offices, and in planning and permitting and water utilities. All of those uh, departments are meeting within those spaces. So it's time to have some expansion done at City Hall. The building was designed with the intention of being able to expand out of the back of the building, and we're at the point of deciding, okay, do we spend X million dollars to renovate and expand the existing building? Or um, there have been opportunities that have presented themselves for us to put a civic element within the reserve over around the hospital area to make that more like a gathering space, a think South Lake Town Square with the courthouse right there sure. in front of it. We would we could potentially have our city hall there and potentially even bring the Tarrant County sub courthouse over with us. Um, and so having that as a gathering space as a um, as an economic boost to an area where we want to see retail and shopping and restaurants and all of those things, having a civic element with park space and open space out in front of it would be a great idea. Again, this is super preliminary, but those are some discussions that are taking place as to can we make that happen? Can we actually afford to do all of those things? And so we're working through those details, but that's the general idea. Uh, a couple of more items on your list. The Southwest Sports Complex, that's the one out by Newsom Stadium? Uh, no, that, so no. the one by Newsom Stadium is the Skinner Sports Complex. Okay. Uh, in 2018, the city purchased about 136 acres on the far west side of town. Um, it's out over near where the Amazon Distribution Center is being built, over by the new water tower, okay. just south of Broad Street, between Broad and Heritage on the far west side of town. Um, and the city purchased that with the knowledge that Skinner Sports Complex was built 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and we're a community that currently is at 80,000, rapidly building up to, at build out, we're going to be in the 140, 150,000 person range. And if we are still a family oriented town, that means kids are going to be playing sports and we're going to need more baseball and soccer fields. We just will. And so Skinner is already at capacity. We need those fields. So we purchased this land with the intention of being the uh, the future sports complex that relieves some of the congestion at Skinner and provides more ball fields. Um, but what that also creates is some opportunities at both complexes to build community parks as well as sports fields. Right. So you could build um, over at Skinner. It's on the east side of town. Uh, we hear all the time, we don't have enough parks on the east side of town. East side of 360 is always forgotten about. We don't have we don't have those type of amenities that they have over on the west side of town. So things like Clayton Chandler Park with the splash pad and the big walking trail and the pond and the skate park and the tennis courts and all of the amenities that it has, we would be able to put that in at Skinner redo Skinner Sports Complex to be a ball field, but also a neighborhood community park, and then do the same thing at the Southwest Sports Complex. And so that would give us really quality park amenities spread throughout town so that everybody's within a five to 10 minute walk of a really great park. Fire station number one says relocation. And this is 
an interesting topic because where would it go? This is probably not going to end up on the bond, but it's something that we are definitely talking about. How do we, the fire department and all of the businesses and all of the homeowners in downtown would love to not have the fire station right there on the main strip. And the performers at the lot. And the performers at the lot. Anybody that does anything in downtown realizes what, we'll just call it what it is, a nuisance it is to have a fire truck or an ambulance siren pull out and echoing down down main street yeah um, we all obviously all understand why they're pulling out because they're going to meet somebody's needs and and take care of them but when we shut down for the pickle parade for example all of the we take a fire truck and an ambulance and the entire crew that is working that shift and we locate them in a field somewhere. They're not work they're not operating out of the fire station because it's they wouldn't a temporary be able to respond. firehouse it, somewhere it, else. Exactly. Uh, huh. So if we want to do more of those type of things, well, we gotta figure out a fire solution right. for it. Um so where we don't know. It opens opportun- cool opportunities for the existing fire station to turn into something like a bar and restaurant um, with patio games and all that. And there are developers, investors, restaurant owners that are interested in doing that. But until we can sell the current building to them to be able to do that, we've got to find a, a new home for Fire Station 1. So, um, good news is when you build a new fire station or you're relocating a fire station, you don't have to buy a new fire truck or new ambulance or any of the equipment. We're just, we need a new piece of land and a new facility. And so, um, working through what that can look like. You're also dealing with the railroad goes right through there. And so we can't be on the other side of the railroad tracks in case they get stuck by a train. There's only one way around. So trying to find the land, trying to find where it'll go. And then of course the money to be able to build the new facility, um, could be a potential bond, election mm-hmm. item um, or could just be something that uh, that we're looking at for the future. May of 2022 is pretty much what we're looking at for uh, for a new bond package. You can pretty much count on May 2022 having some form of these topics yeah. um, plus infrastructure on the uh, on the ballot. I don't know exactly what all will be there. We don't know how much it's going to be. We don't know what it does to taxes yet. Um, we're in I think we're meeting today in June, so there's a lot to go before uh, we've got until about February to figure out what that will look like and and the specifics of it. And if someone wanted to, for instance, email Casey Lewis with their input, uh, do you want to give your email address? Sure, it's Casey Lewis, C-A-S-E-Y dot Lewis, L-E-W-I-S at mansfieldtexas.gov. All right. You've been on the show before, but I don't think we've ever been through the lightning round, have we? I, maybe. I don't the know. lightning round. I don't is, even know what a lightning round. Oh, is. the lightning round is where uh, is where the listeners really get to know Casey Lewis more than 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 anything they've ever uh, uh, experienced with you before. The lightning round is very very simple. It's ten ten questions of um, of this or that. All right. All right. So um, night or day. Night. Netflix or theater? Netflix. Ice cream or snow cone? Ice cream. Couch or recliner? Recliner. Burger or taco? Both. Train or plane? Plane. Comic book or comic strip? Comic book. Art museum or science museum? Both. Breakfast or dinner? Breakfast. For dinner. Would you rather be charming or genuine? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite ice cream? There's 
so many good ones, but uh, Bluebell, if we're going just like I'm picking up a, a pint to take home, um, I really like the Jack and Coke ice cream that Hypnotic Emporium has. Um, and then there's another good one. at uh, It's a brownie ice cream at the uh, Palateria off of Debbie. Jack and Coke at Hypnotic Emporium. Yes, sir. Nice. I did ask you this before because we... Uh, I think we discussed ice cream one other time on the show. Yes, you you rode the fence on it. <laughs> so you, you asked what, who my favorite was. And so as a good politician, I just named all of them. That's right. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you talking about uh, Simone Biles and, and the, uh, the the bond packages and uh, playing along with the lightning round. And, and I appreciate you being on About Mansfield. Thanks, Steve. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will have the latest Mansfield news, talk, and information. We'll also talk in studio with local foodie Ted Wood about some new eateries in town. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature Michael Evans. School Board Recap Courtney Wilson. Texas Health Tip Katrina Brown. Home Improvement feature Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week feature Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. Have a great 4th of July weekend. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield.